All right, Clay, before we move on to Death Wish, the episode that we're going to be talking about today, I thought we'd give a little bit of a Q power rankings uh, across the Star Trek franchise. So I know that we just got done watching Star Trek Picard season two, which Q is prominently in and is prominently a terrible season of television. Mm. He's been in TNG for a bunch. He was in one episode of DS9. He's going to be in three total Voyager episodes across the entire series. And uh, he's been in Lower Decks or something like that. So um, I thought my my question to you was, where does Q rank as, in terms of Star Trek antagonists even if someone said list some star trek antagonists where would he fall before you started you know where would he fall in your rankings of uh spitballing from the brain um is well, he prominent you, yeah is he is he like a if, prominent part of this franchise if you said 90s trek specifically i would say he's probably top two okay um i would say if if you said oh 90s trek who are the top five antagonists or most recognizable or define this the the era i would say the borg are number one uh q is number two probably then the cardassians yep and uh klingons and romulans probably okay. so he's um, up there <clears throat> yeah overall though i mean <laughs> frankly there's when you really get down to it there's not that many races that like show up a ton of times no i guess yeah i guess you're thinking races like i was thinking even individual characters so if oh like, individual characters okay yeah. yeah well even still even still like in the 90s it's like the two big additions i think that come from tng are the borg and q right yes yeah yeah and the borg are hard obviously hard to identify i, I would agree the borg would be one if it, if it was if it was loaded in a way like list Star Trek antagonist like individuals. I'd probably say, mm. I'd probably cheat just like you and say Borg as <laughs> number one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then it would be like I'd probably come up with like Ducat first. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they just don't have a lot of strong individual antagonists before it. So I guess Q is top five, I guess, but he's he's not he's not super. Pro- I I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to juggle where he sits in the franchise because I think that he, I feel like he's a large part of it, but he, I, he's not someone that I immediately think of when I think of the franchise. Yeah. I think, I think of him more obviously for, you know, obvious reasons, specifically in the the nineties track. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. kind of really the only place he exists. Not, not Picard um, season two. You don't want to branch out. Well, into that. you know, I do want to talk about that a little bit because I think that this episode is a better version of what they did with Q in season two of Picard. Yeah. Where like there's more potential in this than there was yeah. there, I guess. <laughs> um, but the, my power ranking question I have for you is mm. uh, where does this fall in the power ranking of worst ways to burn a Riker appearance? <laughs> <laughs> is this, is this <laughs> above or below the, the finale of Enterprise? This is this is below. Interestingly, at least the the finale of Enterprise has a um, joie de vie. Or yeah, right. although I guess he has he has quite a bit of joie de vie in this. When he's looking at that painting of his relative, he is selling the fuck out of that painting of his relative. <laughs> um, they called him old iron boots. <laughs> <laughs> The man invented coal. Actually, I was. Now that you've reminded me, I, we always have this little thing where I I try to come up with the topic that we're going to open with uh, the podcast, and I usually forget, and I have to sort of spitball one. I was the one you've reminded me now. I was going to ask is is this, is this go down in history 
Um, at least in terms of being the only Star Trek episode that references Woodstock. <laughs> because maybe we just, yeah, we, we can talk about him at the break, but I'm, I'm kind of amazed that, first of all, I thought that when they said, this is Maury Ginsburg, I said, I had no idea Alan Ginsburg had a real first Same. name. Same thing. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> we'll get like, to it. What a weird, specific thing to cite. So like bizarre. He's, he's the guy who fixed the sound. And they paired him with Isaac Newton. They're like, this guy is on equal standing with Isaac Newton. <laughs> he's like, but even the performance of that guy's like, yeah, man, I just got like an extension cord or something plugged yeah. right back. <laughs> and like, are we supposed to know who this guy is? No. Because he's cause like, what happened to that groovy redhead? And he's like, oh. You'll see her again. Don't worry. And it's like, wait, was he talking about like, is she like Janice Jopp? Right. No, that- she's just his wife from his wife. Poughkeepsie that he settled down with and had a couple kids with. That's all. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, so weird. This is Death Wish. It's the 18th episode of the second season of Star Trek Voyager. It came out on February 19th, 1996. Also, I have questions about that quick one-off line about Isaac Newton, Newton having some sort of like sexual assault allegation. Yeah, he was Jack the Ripper. <laughs> yeah. I think they're playing loose, fast and loose with the history. Here I mean, yeah, episode. I think they're off by about 100 years if that's what they're implying. But <laughs> This is one of three in the Q Civil War arc, which covers all of Q's appearances in Voyager. Teleplay goes to Michael Piller. The story goes to his son, Sean Piller, directed by James L. Conway in Universe Date 49301.2. And also the Big Bang, <laughs> which they've listed here. Um, in Death Wish, a member of the Q Continuum comes aboard Voyager seeking asylum so he can commit suicide. Q arrives abo- on board to stop him, leaving Captain Janeway to mediate a moral dilemma. Um, I, I had my sort of starting opinion, but I didn't know if you wanted to start with Picard Season 2, or do you think that's a better point to go, sort of weave it into later? I'll leave it up to yeah. you. Yeah. I would say let's get into that a little bit later because I think there's a lot going on here. First of all, just for the record, I would say uh, Tom Riker in Deep Space Nine, uh, the last episode of Enterprise, and then this for the power rankings of (laughs) Riker. Not really Riker. Riker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think there's a lot going on here that's really interesting. Um, Did you you watch The Good Place? Is that that sitcom? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm familiar with it. I've never seen more than one episode, I don't think. Well, it's it's really interesting. I'm going to ruin The Good Place for anybody who hasn't seen it, so block your ears. Spoilers. Um, spoilers. The Good Place ends with these characters who have died, who go on to this afterlife, going on to this version of the afterlife where they get the choice to stick around in the ether as long as they want and then eventually all of them to a person decide they've done they are done with existence and they essentially all commit like supernatural suicide right spirit suicide yeah <clears throat> yeah and it's like really touching and stuff but it's also really kind of like bittersweet and dark yep and it is it, that was the first thing i thought of watching this because you know, anytime they do a thing where it's like, I'm immortal, I've been around for 200 years, and I've done everything there is to do, and it's awful. And mm. it's like, dude, talk to this Q guy who's been around since the dawn of time <laughs> and, like, spent three Multiple eons. Multiple times, as obviously. A, he yeah. keeps going back to the dawn of time. 
and he spent three eons as a scarecrow just because it's something he hadn't done yet. Mm-hmm. And it's like it, it. I found this to be a really interesting uh, look at uh, existence and um, the idea of immortality, like on a grand scale. Yeah. Uh, that I, I, I just found it really, really fascinating, interesting. I thought this was a really good episode. Uh, and just to, it also is reminiscent of a, a top five talking head song for me, Heaven, which the point of is, oh yeah, you know, yeah. you you go to a bar called Heaven, which is the yeah. afterlife. It's where they always play your favorite song over and over again. And it's just mm-hmm. kind of a commentary on maybe Heaven isn't all it's cracked up to be. If the best things are just all you get, you will eventually get tired of the things that heaven, you, you favor. Heaven is the place where nothing ever really happens. Ever really happens. Um it's a good talking. You ever song. hear? Did you ever hear? Um, shit, I can't remember the name. Uh, damn it! There's a band. It's a British band. Covered that song. Did a really nice version of it. It'll come to me. I'll. It'll pop up in my head. We'll, ca- we'll catch it up at the end. Yeah, with the uh, the Picard season two. It'll trigger something. So I thought Death Wish was kind of an interesting inverse of Meld in a lot of ways to me. Um, it has. It's it's similar in that I think they're both some of the stronger episodes of the season, but I think that everything... Simply Red. Simply Red. Sorry, Simply Red does a really nice cover of Heaven. (laughs) Um, Just because I think they're both pretty strong episodes in the season, and where I think that we differed on the fact about Meld that I was a little bit more forgiving of the thematic uh, shotgun spray that was in that episode Mm -hmm. than you were. Um. I'm actually, I was curious to see what you thought about this one because I think we might be in verses on this one because I think that the thematic shotgun spray of ideas in this one actually works to the detriment of the episode as a whole in some ways. Um, Yeah. I think that there's a lot going on here and it seems to be a Voyager trait at this point, which is that they go off on zigzags a lot of the time and... I thought it worked in meld to a degree because I thought that everything was kind of thematically relevant. I think it really undermines the point here step by step. I, th- I think that the longer this one goes on, the less sense it makes to a point where it undermines what the fundamental idea is that the characters are talking about. Sure. Um, I honestly, I honestly wouldn't disagree with that, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> like I, <clears throat> I think it's another one where I think the first half or so is really pretty tight. Um, but then once Maury Ginsburg shows up, it gets a little bit <laughs> juicy. Uh, hey man, Back, uh, <laughs> like I, reading of a yes on that one. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, when 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 Q brings these three people and and is basically like talking about this Q's influence on them and a butterfly effect kind of thing. I this is this is one instance where I was like, they're getting way too in the weeds about this concept this needs to be like a, a like a thirty thousand foot view concept i think and uh <clears throat> i think they do a better job with it honestly through tuvok than anything else right because pairing tuvok well okay so there's a lot of things going on here right like the, you've got this idea of the banality of immortality and the in the, the how boring Im- or immortality could be and how that can be its own torture which is one thing mm-hmm. But you've also got this other thing where they have to decide, they have to talk about like the ethics of euthanasia. Yeah, and it's the uh, which, the state versus the individual is like a, a tie right. to that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on, and I, I, I 
as much as I enjoyed it because I thought the stuff that they were talking about was interesting, I don't necessarily think all these things line up. And I think it was like I had to rewind it a few times because I f- they seem to be jumping around concept to concept so much that it was a little bit like, wait a minute, I thought it was about this, but now they're talking about euthanasia and now they're talking about like the butterfly effect. And now they're talking about this Q who apparently is so dangerous that they have to put him into a little cage, but they can't kill him because they don't know what will happen. Yeah. I don't they've know. Killed, I don't they've know. killed other Q before too. Right. And nothing happened. Right. Like I couldn't really track that. Um, I knew that they were, I, I knew it was going to come down to Q was going to like I, the first thing I thought when Q showed up was why can't Q just send them back to earth? Yeah. <laughs> they and get to it eventually. <laughs> yeah. Obviously that becomes a plot point, but honestly, I, I think one of the big things that's missing from this episode and maybe it's indicative of how kind of scattershot some of it is, is I think this episode really needed a scene at the end where Tuvok and Janeway kind of have a debrief and then Janeway tells him that he that she gave up the the chance to go home in order to side with her own ethics as far as like uh granting asylum and the yeah. right to the inv- individual versus the fair, state fair treatment like of the the new <clears throat> Q yeah yeah because like you know that's one of those things where it's like Jesus how many times how many times can Janeway be offered this thing and she just <laughs> flat out refuse it well she doesn't f- <laughs> on like ethical guidelines that they never even like get into. She doesn't bring it up sh- anymore at this point. She doesn't mention to anybody because she knows how bad it's starting to look at this point. She's like, I can't tell anyone that Q offered to bring us home because people are just going to start losing their minds at a certain point. Yeah, you become like you essentially you're putting the uh, the ethical quandary on Janeway is not do I let the state take this this person who is clearly suffering in order to get my people home? It just turns into like a uh, the rights of the individual versus the rights of the state kind of thing. And yeah. like while that is interesting in the in the under the umbrella of like the Q continuum, yeah. even though it's yeah. kind of tough because nobody really knows what the fuck it is. No, uh, it's kind of hard to put guidelines on this thing that I I. I don't even know the parameters. Well, they show us an with. interpretation here, Clay, of what yeah. exactly that means. Yeah, yeah, it's like a carousel, broken carousel, <laughs> or something. Um, but like that's kind of like there's there's so much more uh, pathos, I think, or or character juicy character stuff you get into if you lean into the thing that affects our main characters, which is you know if Janeway takes a fucking bribe from this god and lets this guy who she doesn't give a shit about yep. uh get put back into a comet prison yep uh i feel like i'm having a stroke <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> they can go home you know and yep. i mean like it's not even a question of it doesn't even become a question of janeway being like well how can i trust you q like how can i trust you that if i do what you want me to do you're going to send me home it's just like that simple fact is so glossed over and I don't know. I I I agree with you a hundred percent that this is just this is very scattershot. But I appreciate the swing that they're taking. Um, and I also actually did like the illustration of what the Q continuum looked like because I was as when they got into it, I was like, "There's no way that this can be. This is going to have to be like abstract and weird." Yeah. And it was. I think they could have made it a little bit weirder. Um, it's either that I, I or it. yeah, it's either that or like 
Apple ad where it's a white background and characters walking around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody wants nobody wants to do that. No, not for a couple more years when the Matrix comes out. Anyway, no. I I mean I I didn't have any problem with the Q continuum, and obviously it makes sense that they're like when Jane was like, "Why does the Q continuum look like?" L.A. in 1996, or <laughs> like the outskirts of L.A. It's like, well, it's a good question. The the problem with it is that like, obviously, it's a show with limited time and limited budget, and sure. the the metaphor the the metaphors they use for the Q continuum are just so on the nose. You know, it's like new, old games, <laughs> and like right, and there's, yeah. there's like a map of the universe or something, and he explains it all, and it's all very it's all very silly, but it is I was, got what it had to do. I was actually wondering if when they first showed up there and you see the guy in like the 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 flat old timey hat reading the magazine that says like, you know, obey on it or whatever the fuck it yep. was. That my first thought was like, "Oh, are they going to the village?" I thought they were I thought it was going to be more like prisoner ass. <laughs> right. And I was like, yeah. "That's actually a really interesting way to handle this cuz obviously I love that shit, but like um, you know, getting weird with it and get in I think would have been really cool, but the, yeah, they kind of just scratched the surface, probably budgetarily reasons and stuff, and it is fairly on the nose. I think this episode has a lot of good stuff in it, and yeah. I wish that this episode had had another pass on it to sort of sort out what they wanted to do. I think fundamentally, like my my brief synopsis of what happens and why it falls apart is that um, maybe it falls apart is wrong, but it it certainly falls apart by the end for me. The uh, the the initial thing that they like the, the point that they're trying to sell is that immortality for the Q and this Q in particular has led to he now sort of knows everything um, and he's seen it all and he's bored with existence and he thinks that he should be able to kill himself to end all of this and the this sort of the the dovetail of story there is whether or not the state of the Q continuum is going to allow that to happen whether or not this is like a deviant act or whatever. The problem is I think that the, this new cue is written and performed all wrong the entire way. When he yeah. gets to Voyager, he is struck by how novel everything is on the ship. He, t- right. he mentions to Tuvok at one point, you've surprised me, Tuvok, when he says something to him. Yeah, yeah. All His entire point is that I know everything, nothing surprises me. The character to make sense had to sort of become in as sort of like an om omniscient i know how this is all going to work out kind of thing like yeah and he has to be a even more of like a because i think the script treats him as if he's a mentor to the john delancey cue like this is a cue that has been kind of respected by the continuum and things like Mm -hmm. that for a long time Mm -hmm. so he should be more wise and tired and beat down but he never plays it that way yeah. Then it then it and you can we'll jump back, you can do whatever you want. But then it jumps into this thing of whether or not he wants to take his own life because of that. And so they decide that no, you can't do that. But the trade we're going to give is that you're going to become a human and you're going to, as Janeway says, you're going to experience all these new things that you never experienced before. You're going to see life in a new light. And I hope that we give you a purpose here on the ship as we try to find our way home. And then he kills himself anyway. Right. And it's yeah. like, why? So uh, was it's a real, real law and order ending to this one. <laughs> was, was Janeway just so basically what you have to say there is that the the entire argument from this new cue was bullshit the entire way. And that he was really just kind of a depressive person who yeah. wants to kill himself. And I think that it 
I think that's just entirely the wrong way to go about ending this and wrapping things up because I think that him killing himself at the very end in an attempt to make this somehow an, an another confusing thing to flip it to make it a story about RQ somehow at the end only undermines his entire journey and every single like philosophical point he was making to get to that point. Yeah. And I, I thought it was really damaging to the story overall. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I actually, when I, as I was getting towards the end, when Janeway gives her ruling and she says that thing about, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be a human. You're going to have, the opportunity to have so many experiences that you've never had before and your life will eventually end. I was like, Oh shit, that's actually a really great way to get out of this where she doesn't have to, uh, side with euthanasia. She actually gives him what he wants. Yes. Or at least what he claims that he wants. And when they, you know, cut to the captain's log and he's like, Oh, she's like, Oh, we put him in. His name is Quinn or Quill or whatever. I think it's Quinn. Quinn. It Quinn. 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 And then she's talking to Chakotay. As soon as she's, they cut to her talking to Chakotay where she's like, him being on this ship would be, a, stellar cartography would be obsolete. Yeah, we'll, we'll be home in like, five months. Uh, with yeah, I was like, oh, he's fucking dead. <laughs> um, but like, I was thinking, I was like, man, what an interesting character to have on this show. It would have been great. It would have been great. It's another, a it's depowered a, Q yeah, who has like all of the uh smarminess of a cue but he's like wrong a lot right. you know? it's just a lot of scenes of him getting shot and not remembering that he can't get shot yeah or like, like that, you know yeah. not not realizing that he doesn't know everything right and, you know like man what what a great character i'm surprised they've never come back to this because like so like if look at strange new worlds right we've got our uh, um laana Khan, Wrath of what the fuck is her name? Noonien Singh. Yeah. Lahan Noonien Singh, and the whole thing's oh, she's oh, she's related to to Khan. Or no, actually, better example is number one, where it's like she's a actually a secret fire alien or whatever the fuck. <laughs> <clears throat> like, how much more interesting of a of a mystery is it if you've got this like one weird guy who or girl, uh, or they, who has like who's really cocky get stuff wrong but is really good at their job but has a certain kind of disconnect that isn't that they're a vulcan isn't that they're a robot and you find out that he's a dispowered q yeah that's amazing yeah it, it all, that's just such a good idea it's another thing that ties it to meld right because what those two episodes seem to be implying is that they can't run from these characters that they're building like they're stuck yeah. on the ship yeah. And in and Meld, it's just he's in prison at this point. He's still on the ship, Lon Suter, but the Q kills himself at the end to escape that. But I agree. It's like it would be in a more modern series where they could take this stuff seriously. I think that bringing aboard a depowered Q is a really interesting uh, development for a show like this to do things with him and make it interesting. Yeah. <laughs> imagine if imagine if you were going in cold to a show where the secret was one of these guy one of these guys with dispowered Q and you happen to notice that like every now and then when he wanted to do something, he just like makes a hand gesture that nobody yeah. like registers. <laughs> and you're like, Why the fuck is he like does he Signing. have like Tourette's or something? Yeah. Or like what he's got a weird tick. It's like, oh no, he's just forget he's doing his Q thing. Yep. But if he doesn't have the power anymore. Yeah, I it's I think it really Especially since, man, oh, the ending of this would have been so great if they had kept him alive, right? 
And so you have this bit of a of a kind of a happy ending where this guy gets what he wants, and you know he he's allowed to be on the ship, and it's kind of up. It's an up ending, and then you have the scene where Janeway is like, "Is this guy's life worth what I just gave up? I could have taken this bribe, I could have gotten us home, yeah, but I didn't because of this guy, because of rules that I feel like are more important than everybody else in this ship." And then you got Tuvok to b- bounce that off of, who's like, "I don't even know what his response would be to that." Yep. Frankly, yeah, uh, it's kind of a logical conundrum because uh, it kind of. I guess the needs of the many is kind of off the table at that point, but <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah, because yeah, I mean, because it ties into uh, Tuvok's because Tuvok is the whole like I'm representing your position. He's talking to his lawyer speak. He's like I'm representing your position to the best that I can of my ability and stuff like <laughs> yes, that. So he's, yeah. he has he's able to respond to it. Chicote would be a good person to bounce all that stuff off of. I think that um, I think that fundamentally, I find this kind of a cynical episode in a way and it's not intentional to be that way i don't think i think they got stuck and they weren't sure like how do you get out of this without adding a different a new cast character to the show and so like because i think that there's this interesting thing where his 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 idea about i've lived for so long that i know everything and nothing is surprising and i'm kind of trapped here is on one hand it makes a lot of sense but on the other hand it's it's hard to how to say this. It, it's it's hard to not see like a kind of human condition in that where like I also think that he's he can be easily proven wrong as they do in this episode multiple times to him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it just runs into this problem of like the episode to me comes across as like just sort of pro suicide. In a way right. that's yeah. not like he's not escaping anything because he's already won at the end, and it's not it's it's a very cynical take on like why can't he grow and develop? Like why does he think this this way? Why is everyone treating this as though this was not a colossal waste here? Why is no one really suspicious of Q that he poisoned this guy <laughs> at the very end? Right. It, it, yeah. it just seems like it leaves a lot of questions on the table and and is not a very healthy outlook uh, from the characters towards the end of it. Yeah. And I, I feel like uh, I feel like Janeway has a lot of deaths on her hands at this mm, point. Yeah. And like I feel like she always ends up in these cynical episodes I feel like she's always the one in the middle. And, like, they keep trying to give her this sort of, like, uh, pale moonlight thing. Yeah, yeah. But it never quite clicks because the rest of the story doesn't support it. Um, yes, yeah. And it's a shame because, like, I again, I think the thing that I like about this one is there's so many... I, the thing I like is that there's so many ideas and so many, like, really interesting things to chew on. But I think, like you were saying, I think its biggest fault is that there's probably too many. It probably needs to be focused down a bit, and it's just it gets a little like the ending just undoes everything. Yeah, because I even it's it's a separate point, but I I even like the the Q continuum state versus the individual the wishes of individual Q and things like that. Sure. Like I think that the, sure. a lot of the conversations between the two Q are kind of based around that. So like, what is considered a deviant act in like the balancing act between allowing people to do whatever they want and Q's point to have like a a functioning society is like a real conflict, I think in society. So it's like, 
to see these sort of God creatures arguing about it is interesting. And, you know, it, it feels like it adds a little bit of like heightened drama or something to it, even though I feel that the episode is begging to just be brought down to the Q aren't all that different from us <laughs> in, a, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and you know, it's good. Oh, go ahead. That's it. Uh, um, yeah, it kind of it's. Um, I was just going to ask you, do you think that the Q are the wrong species to use in this? And the reason I ask that is because, you know, as you're talking about the society thing and it, the Q are, are, are no different than we are. It reminds me of the H.P. Lovecraft story at the Mountains of Madness. Mm hmm. And it's it's generally regarded as like his you know magnum opus or whatever, and uh, I don't particularly care for it. Yeah, main mainly because there's this big section in the middle where the humans discover this ancient you know beyond ancient uh, city that has writings and stuff on the wall that document the history of the species that used to live there the species that the humans know as like the old ones or like you know they, yeah. what they perceive to be aliens or monsters or whatever creatures or gods or whatever and it's like super thorough like it, they give you like a day-to-day -day accounting <laughs> of what the life of an old one is yeah and it's like earlier in the book they just they he describes what these things look like which is you know it's like a like a plant with like a sucker hands and shit. It's not very hu humanoid, but the way that that he describes their day to day life is just like imagine like a David Cronenberg monster getting up every morning, grabbing his suitcase and going to work. Right, and it it really kind of takes the the magic away from it. And for some people that works, for me it doesn't because I think it it makes it too relatable and like there are some things especially in his stories that I think the whole point is they should be unknowable um, but I wonder it makes me think like is Q the wrong species to use here because of that because like I don't want to know really about the intricacies of the day-to-day -day life of the Q and what their society is like because I, I feel like it brings up too many questions yep. and makes them a less usable character. I they, It's the kind of the same problem they have with the Borg to an extent where it's like the more you use them, the more you kind of have to explain what they're about. And the more you do that, the the stickier things get. Yeah. So do, yeah. You, like, do you think this would have worked better with a completely new race that was maybe not god level but still had this immortality thing built into it where you know it, it could be more relatable as far as like the the state versus the individual kind of thing yeah um but also be unknowable because they are immortal and blah 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 you know what you know what i mean i i kind of surprisingly to myself i don't mind the q being this race yeah. i don't think i i think that this episode does a like fundamentally, I think that you run into issues when you have more than one cue in an episode. Sure, because I don't understand how they fight and stuff like that. Like, well, that was the other thing I was thinking too. It's like I, did, I for some reason, I thought like the Q continuum was like one being. No, they're separate. They're, that's always been the case since TNG. Oh, it is. Stays, okay. Yeah. I guess I never just totally understood what the deal was, but because I think there's one other episode where. Uh, they reference it in this one. There's one episode in TNG where Q gets his powers taken away by the continuum and he's right, made a human right. and put on the ship and he meets another Q in that episode who gives him his powers back at the very end of it. Ah, um, 
vaguely remember that. But in that episode, the Q kill old members of the continuum who had voluntarily given up their powers, too. So, like, the problem you run into with the Q thing is, like, here they play it as kind of a hide-and-seek, but there's no way that they can ever have a conflict with each other with their power structure as i understand it right like right. one should just blink one should snap his fingers and the other one is just gone forever basically would be the way like who whoever thinks of the first thought that i don't want this guy to be here wins the fight to me based on what i know about them right like at the end of this episode the whole thing gets resolved by john delancey q snapping his fingers and all of a sudden the guy's powers are gone yeah why didn't they just do that like why yeah, even put he, him in a comet? Yeah, like it, yeah. except for the fact that there's uh, societal. Uh, um, he he gets a lot of uh, pushback for not wanting the the powers of the Q or something, and so yeah. they they punish him by making him keep them. But I don't know. It just seems like a lot of work. To they could have just solved this by just taking the guy's powers away. and yeah. everybody's happy. Yeah, I, I think fundamentally the the problem with the Q here is that. Uh, like it's a point of the episode, but they're, well, I wonder if it's a problem. So I, I guess what I like about the queue in this one is that it's hinted at, I think this is the impression that I was getting is that the queue were basically almost mortal at some point. And this is like mm-hmm. an evolution that they've undergone. And Ooh, like, like the orcs, like the, exactly. They were buried in a tar pits or something and came out this way. Now they crave man flesh. <laughs> um, I think that they. So, and just so everybody knows, I know that the orcs used to be elves or some shit. I know they didn't weren't human. <laughs> I think. I think that the uh, what I like about the Q representation here is that they have these brief moments where they kind of insinuate the fact that the Q used to be a certain way, and now they are this sort of higher elevated thing that. They've been striving towards this purpose of being uh, what they consider to be like guardians of the galaxy, basically. But mm-hmm. along the way, I thought that the show is smart to recognize that uh, when the the, Q, the new Q beams into like Tuvok's quarters and he gets very close to him, and Tuvok's like, "Is is it a were the Q always this way, or is it just that you guys have been immortal for so long you've forgotten how to have manners with each other?" Yeah. And yeah. the guy says, "Oh, it's because we've been this way that we've forgotten how to have manners." And I thought that that was really clever. Because I guess we can hedge. Um, did you have anything else you want to say about the Q? Do you, so you, would you go with a different race before we go off on this other tangent that I have? I I don't know. I, I guess it depends on what you want to what you want to focus on. Because I feel like the the they need the immortality eons, is the problem. Yeah, the eons of existence needed for this. I think it has to be the Q. But I don't know. I guess I guess my issue is that I w- I wish there was a little bit stronger of a of a anchor or or a structure to the queue sort of that yeah or yeah yeah, or just like yeah something something a little bit stronger that they could lean on as to why the queue don't want to don't want to kill this guy that i guess that's my problem right so that the the queue in this episode are designed to be hypocritical that's like a point of the the show and a point of like the argument against them the problem with that is that when you don't know anything else about them, it's hard to understand what their internal dynamics are any longer because you don't right, know right. what they really believe in. But they're also the beliefs that you do know are self-contradictory to each other. So you wonder how they even exist or what they consider to be their point or reason to be in this universe. And I think that there is stuff in there 
that you can allow them to be hypocritical about, but I feel like you kind of almost need to call it out. Um, for instance, the idea that if the idea is that uh, they don't mind executing cues when they have to, but they don't want this guy to die because they think him rejecting the Q power is like a slap in the face. I feel like that's actually pretty interesting. Yeah. And you could really put, you could have a good scene where you push back on Q about that. And I'm sure you'd just be like, well, I mean, whatever. I'm a God, go fuck yourself. Yeah. But like, I, I feel like that's the kind of thing where if they are being hypocritical, I feel like that's just giving you more room to, to, to do some really interesting drama and have some good scenes. You, you've reminded me of, so the other, the other thing that I find <clears throat> disappointing or like cynical about it is that, when Q makes that point of like Q cannot should not be allowed to commit suicide because it will cause untold damage to the continuum as a whole that like we don't know what this will do to us as as a people. Yeah. I think it's a nice sci-fi metaphor for what I what I hate about the ending here which is that the the, the real sacrifice here should be more tied into when a person kills themselves it's not just about them at that point like they're gone but their family and everything carries on with this like pain and regret that they have to live with. Right. And right. so that's what that Q continuum is kind of pointing at. Unfortunately, the the episode chooses to make it more of like a big brother state argument around it where I feel like Q should be making more of like we as a continuum are connected in a way that this will cause untold damage to us if you were not to be around any longer with us. Right. And it yeah. it, it humanizes it. And it would make an ending that they have here like unforgivable because what the ending here is he just decides to kill himself and there's no ramifications from it. And mm-hmm. and in real world, that's the rare suicide case. You know, like the this the the impact of suicide goes outside of the person. It's a tragedy for the person, but it's that like the people who have to live with it onward are also impacted by what in this episode essentially becomes a very selfish decision by this character at the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they should have done a whole season that was basically 13 reasons why about a Q that that's, kills himself. <laughs> that's right. Get some recordings going and and everything like that. <clears throat> but I think that focusing on making the Q a little bit more maybe less big brother and more like we are concerned about your choice much in the way that your choices have impact on the galaxy that we've done through meeting Riker and Isaac Newton and the spotlight yeah. director at Woodstock also have impacts on us back home. You know. Well, I mean, what about what? What if like the turn of your episode is really that you know the the thing starts as a state versus the individual thing, but ultimately what it turns into is that the Q the Q continuum is a giant family, right? And they just they don't want to. Like like all of the things you're talking about, how how this would have ramifications through the entire continuum. Uh, so because like if if you had Q being like basically deflecting all of this stuff, it's like, well, we don't know what's going to happen if uh, to the galaxy if if they kill themselves. Like, well, you kill you've killed Q's before and it's been fine, right? Well, you know, it's it's about it's about this, and you shouldn't want to do this. And it's like okay, but I mean, like this blah one two three four, these things have happened. It hasn't been a really big deal. And ultimately, what it comes down to is that. The Q is a presents itself as such a aloof, all knowing God thing, but ultimately they still care about each other. Right? Like they they yeah, still yeah. they are still one one society and creature. And someone killing themselves sucks. It doesn't matter right. who you are. Yeah. You know, that, that's, like I, I that's think that would be far more. 
Yeah, I think that would be far more affecting and humanizing than uh, and and you wouldn't need to get into any of the specifics about shit. You know, it's just like yeah, they're 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 a group of people who are community. One of them is going to kill himself. They obviously don't want him to do that. Yeah, and you know, I think that would have been really really interesting. It also just to tie all the knots up because if you're assuming that the Q are evolving from a previous species. You can kind of look at, at John Delancey and the other Q's outlook as this kind of like sarcastic, cruel thing as a an attempt to not admit to the fact that they have feelings like humans exactly. and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. They don't they don't do that, unfortunately. So yeah, the the thing that the thing that kind of strikes me is um unfortunately I know there's a couple patron comments who are gonna talk about this. But one of the criticisms is that uh, Q's sexual harassment yeah, of Janeway. He's too he's too misogynistic towards Janeway, and yeah. I strongly disagree with that. Yeah. Like I, I think in order to show what the Q are in this one, and it ties into the Tuvok saying, "Do you have any manners anymore?" The the Q are trying to, to deflect, and they've been so removed from real, like quote unquote real reality for so long that they are this way now. Like they are sure. They, sure. they just kind of miss they miss the ball they miss the uh the forest for the trees in a sense. Like they just they they're out of touch. They think very highly of themselves and they use this sort of um anger and sarcasm as a way to like mask how they actually seem to feel is what this episode yeah. is saying. And so I don't yeah. mind it. I think that his his comments are and and the episode itself is not glorifying his comments. He's kind of wrong about them the entire way. Sure. Yeah, honestly, I I know what you mean. I think the issue is just that it it seems particularly cruel in a way that he really hasn't ever been before to most people. You don't think that he yeah. does the same to Picard with a sort of mocking of his like his ethnicity, <laughs> basically his French his French background and stuff like that? I don't know. Listen, it doesn't say whatever you want about the French. Nobody cares. <laughs> I find I he's know. consistent. It's, I find he's incredible. Yeah. With Cisco, he was the same. Someone's going to make up the point that he didn't. Ex- he didn't exactly start getting making racist jokes around Cisco. But I, it's true. He, he's, true. <laughs> I don't find it. I don't find it that egregious, and I, I think that it works well enough. Um, I think that my my concern. I was reading a. Uh, uh, a review of um, some like contemporary reviews of of replacements albums, and which is funny because we have this conversation about contemporary music on um, on the Discord. And there's contemporary reviews, and I just feel that there's uh, so the the reviewer is talking about their song Alex Chilton, which is one of their bigger songs. And there's a line is in the it, song. Is that about the guy who runs the? Baltimore Mental Hospital from the Silence of the Lambs movies? No, his, his name is similar to Alex Chilton. It's Dr. Chilton. I don't know what his first <laughs> name is. <laughs> That's Ian Chilton. Alex Chilton is the um, the singer, the influential singer-songwriter of like Big Star. Um, and oh, okay. he just had a prolific career. But they have a song called Alex Chilton. And one of the lyrics in it is, uh, we would rape and pillage in the village of his choice. And the song is a song in praise of Alex Chilton, the person, right? And the reviewer goes, well, this is a great song, but that uh, that line about raping and pillaging has not aged well. And what this is, is this is now like a knee-jerk thing where you have to, 
like virtue signal that you understand that rape is wrong at some point. Right. So yeah. what this person seems to be implying is that in 1985, raping and pillaging was morally acceptable to do. Right. Right. Yeah. And that it's only in the past 20 years that it's become wrong. The point of the fucking line, you idiot, is that they would go to such violent and wrong extremes for this person. That's how much they right. adore this person. Yeah. I would love to hear this person review the song "The Hurricane," where Bob Dylan uses the N word. <laughs> well, it was it was a different time. Things have changed. I, I feel that Q is the the criticism of Q here is semi the same. I, I guess it's subjective about whether or not you think he goes overboard, but I find he's equally condescending to Picard and Cisco in his interactions with them. It's just yeah. that Janeway's a woman, so Janeway gets the woman jokes. I think so. That's honestly, it's a tough one for me because I'm not as well versed in Q, Q's shittiness to other people. Sure. He should eat a Riker it, in this episode. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but I don't know. It just, it did come off to me as a bit much for him. Um, he does try to have sex with her, is the implication at the end. But yeah, I, don't know if I think, I think that's, I don't know, maybe that's kind of the thing is like with, with Picard and Cisco, he was demeaning. But, I mean, obviously, well, I, I mean, if you did Q now, I bet he'd probably want to have sex with Picard, but, which is fine. <laughs> but it's, it, I don't know. It, it, just, might, it, feels, yeah. it feels like too demeaning or sure. too disrespective of, of, of Janeway. Um, I just think Janeway fair, doesn't get her punches in is the problem that I would like. I feel that Picard yeah. and Riker fight back with him a little bit, and Janeway's response is to shake her head at him. Well, yeah, I mean, to be fair, her response is like I I believe her anger. Yeah. When when he says that stuff to her, you know, yeah. so it's like it's not like they they write her as as uh, someone who's getting trampled on by a misogynistic asshole. Yes. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I think it's just it, uh, taste is going to have to vary on that one. Like it, I because I guess it just I don't know. It just seems more angry and and pointed than i remember yeah um but that might just be my own memory uh but that being said i yeah i I don't think that stuff is beyond him uh because he's clearly trying to you know put a put a knife between her ribs in a certain place yeah obviously being the female captain of a starship that's one pressure point he can push on yeah yeah and it's i think it's entirely within his character i think we're just I think we're I think, sensitive to it at a point now. I, I don't know. I think it, I think the, the 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 sexual part of it is the weird thing. Like if he was just going in on her about being like you know a woman who's unfit for captain or blah or something like that. Yeah, that feels less gross to me than him implying that he wants to bang her. You know, I don't know. It's yeah, just, yeah. I, that, I think that the the worst of the the jokes comes before that reveal happens. I, I would not have yeah. like, and it, it's weird because it's almost it, because he he's had episodes where he wakes up next to Picard in bed. So it feels like sure. it's just a character thing where he wakes up next to her in bed. But the, he kind of feels like he's implying at the end that if you fuck me, I'll let you get home. Right. Yeah. yeah that's the thing where I think it gets a little bit, a little bit too gross because he's yeah. never implied that to Picard. I mean, if he did, <laughs> I don't think we'd have a problem. But, uh, That's one experience he hasn't had. Yeah, that he he can live through. Tell Q two about that one too. Yeah, yeah. I I would I would agree with that. I would say that it's unnecessary. And Voyager seems to want to do that. It's like let's hitch up all these characters together and see who when the sparks fly. But I could eliminate that. I would keep his uh, misogyny 
early on. I think that it's a, an important character point for the, for him as a as a person. That's how he mm-hmm. that's how he interacts with people. He's just he he finds their uh, like descriptor and just goes at it. He's like a, school, oh, right. a schoolyard yeah. bully. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Or do we want to go to patron comments? Uh, no, I think that's uh, we didn't really talk much about about Tuvok being chosen for the to be the uh, the, the lawyer. lawyer. Yep, man, great choice. Yeah, he's he's good, really good. Like I, I think, um, again, I think it's another good idea where they probably could have leaned into it and done a little bit more with it. But I mean, I don't know who else you who else you pick to get like the perfect point of view on defending a god creature who wants to kill himself. I mean, it's it's just a it's just such a such a good idea. Well, it's fortunate he's good too because I don't think any of the other characters would have worked in any way at all you know like it, it it's yeah. tuvok by default and it's also fortunate that tuvok you know, is the most interestingly set up to do it the only other person who i think could have been interesting is the doctor yeah yeah that would yeah. have been that would have been fun because the doctor essentially is the only one who knows what endless existence is like yeah that and that that would have been something yeah yeah, you can talk about how they shut him off all the time. <laughs> That's, he never knows when he's going to wake back up. The doctor's been kind of limited this season. I, I was, yeah, he has. This show just it ends with like the the biggest impact he has is he gets like a uh, uh, like a face shot cutaway at the end when the guy dies when the cue dies and he's just like yeah. he's kind of like what are you going to do? Look at the camera and that's it. Well, this one in particular. I, I don't know if there was another episode running long or something, but there's only like four people, like main cast members. Yeah. It's just Janeway and Tuvok, really. Yep. Um, everybody else's must have the week off or something. Yeah. Just don't need to bring them in. All right. I guess we'll go to patron thoughts and thanks everybody for listening. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you want to support the show and get comments read about upcoming episodes, that's where you go. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. A couple I, dollars a month. I did actually also really like that when John Delancey first shows up, he thinks he's on the Enterprise. Yes. <laughs> and he's looking around, he's like, oh, so the Enterprise is crewed by chicks now, huh? That's cool. <laughs> Whatever happened to all the men? Did, does yeah. the episode get them back? At yeah, point? oh yeah. John, De- John Delancey brings them oh, back. Oh, he brings yeah. them back? Okay. <laughs> Torres is frantic. She's like, the men are all gone, Captain. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah and is- the dance is tonight. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Neelix came back. Thanks, everybody for listening let's go to our patron comments here i'll go first i think it's clef death wish an unusual q wants to rebel by sending himself straight to hell at q prankorama leading into court drama except gratuitous riker it works pretty well four hijinks to soften the euthanasia discussion out of five (laughs) uh this is the second one this is eric mcgowan with death wish which i'm sending to you right now please pardon my voice it's blown out from oh i can read too if your voice is no no it's 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 fine but uh it might just break or something death wish oh i wish i was dead uh this is actually one of my favorite voyager episodes of the whole series run i love how the ethical debate on assisted suicide is handled and the way the q are presented in a way that makes them seem a little less magical. Q and Delancey feel much more at home in Voyager than Deep Space Nine. Five stars out of five. I would definitely agree with that. Yes. I think Q on Deep Space Nine does not work. No. No. Also, I never registered 
his lips before. They have him like they give him like this dark purple yeah, like Danny, De- Danny DeVito in the ba- in Batman <laughs> lip color. They do give him lipstick or something to make his lips uh, especially purple. Yeah, it's weird. Tex Elbear says, Death Wish, here's the first inevitable Q episode, and it's a good one because it depicts Qs against one another and also asks interesting questions. What if a Q tires of life, and how do you even deal with a Q? Kyle Barrett is our next comment. I'll send it to you. Apologies, it's a little long. That Kyle will go on. The whole immortality is boring idea is pretty old hat and makes me think of better episodes of Doctor Who, but the debate is well written and the end emotionally effective, although I wish the representation of the continuum was more weird in a Lynchian kind of way. What I hate, however, is Q falling for Janeway because it's the most stupid way of coming up with a reason why he wouldn't send them home at the end of the episode, giving Janeway a bizarre Joan having to sleep with the Jaguar exec in in Mad Men style ultimatum. Mm. Q's sexist jokes also feel like a bad character choice. It's not like he started making racist comments when he met Cisco. I do, however, think that Q could have fit Voyager better than he fit TNG if he hadn't already done his trial for humanity shtick earlier in the show, in that earlier show. The trial could have started in the pilot with Q sending Voyager out into the Delta Quadrant with mixed Starfleet and Maquis crew to have them prove their worth in unforgiving circumstances and then reward the in the and then the reward in the finale would be being sent home. That's actually three out of five. That's actually a pretty good idea. Yeah. He, he, their setup does work better for Q as the caretaker and yeah. like a recurring character along the journey. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. I actually, I actually thought what they were going to do was when they introduced this new Q, um, it was before Delancey's name popped up mm-hmm. in the thing. And I was like, Oh, is Voyager going to get their own Q? Right. And I, and I thought, Oh, that's actually, you know, that makes sense. Why can't they, why does it have to be Delancey? It could be anybody. Right. Yep. But obviously they didn't do that. Yeah, they kind of, kind of sort of did, I guess. But our, our favorite Q makes an appearance. I guess one of the production uh, thing that the troubles they were having was that they couldn't they couldn't find a way to bring on a Q and not have it feel like Qs just visit every starship that has a show about it. You know, like <laughs> like why don't they appear on other starships all the time? Do they? And we just don't know about it. So mm-hmm. yeah, it is it is weird because like part of the fun of Q is that he's like taken with Picard. Yeah. You know, and he's taken with the Enterprise like cuz he he views Picard as this microcosmic representation of of humanity. Like he right. doesn't give a shit about everybody else. Like Picard is the one he's interested in. Maybe that's what's so upsetting so about him, Janeway. Yeah. Yeah. But to so to see him show up and banter with Cisco and Janeway, it's like, eh, yeah. Come on. Maybe it doesn't feel like cheating, but he shouldn't have the same <clears throat> adoration for those two as he does Picard yeah Yeah, maybe that maybe that's the problem is that they that's why sorry I was just gonna say that's why I think it would have been interesting if they gave if they wanted to use Q if they gave Voyager their own Q right didn't have the same uh, yeah yeah why not yeah um yeah because you don't have to I guess it depends on what this episode. Like, I don't think all the Q have to. The Q are not identical to each other. They're not like Vulcans. Like the the Q that we've seen have all been different personalities from each other. So right, right. 
PointXG says, Death Wish, the problem with bringing Q onto Voyager is he has the power to send the ship home, which completely breaks the entire premise of the show. They were able to find a very brilliant solution to this with the asylum hearing and also found a way to tell a good story. Immortal beings chiring of immortality is not a new story idea, but it found a way to apply it to the continuum and put a unique spin on it. The asylum's procedural scenes are the highlights of the episode, an episode that itself has been, to this point, the highlight of the entire series. I'll read the next one. It's shorter. Royo says, Death Wish, considered a really excellent Q episode in the past, but now that Picard season two has soiled its memory, I don't know what to think. Great visual seeing the Q continuum via visual metaphor, but any talk about Q's wishing for death causes me PTSD flashbacks to Picard seasons two. I don't know why unlocking a door somehow gives Picard's mother the ability to hang herself as if she couldn't have done that while she was locked up. The next two Voyager Q episodes are going to be a doozy, however. Uh, it's a question mark out of five. Yeah, I the thing about season two. So I would say the difference is Q in season two of Picard is not trying to die. No, it's the opposite. So yeah. like, yeah, I don't think that it it, it ruins this at all. Um, I do think this episode gets into what the what that might mean in a more interesting way. I did I I did honestly find myself thinking about season two being like if they had just done what I said and that the thing the star at the end was Q dying and that would have been yeah. so good. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just that the you know the central ideas here are more interesting than whatever the hell was happening in Picard season two, which I just don't understand. You know, it, it felt more like it was a farewell to a character than a farewell to a, a like a a thing within the show or something. Like yeah. That. Well, what this episode needed was. Delancey needed to summon uh Maury Ginsburg, yep. Sir Isaac Newton, and the head of ICE. Right. <laughs> it would have it's a, that's the uh, that'll be the ghost of Anakin Skywalker CGI on these things yeah. when they get remastered. <laughs> yeah, that was a I I, we haven't talked too much. We talked about it a lot at the beginning, but the the Maury Ginsburg, Isaac Newton, and Riker scene is um, that it was borderline like sketch comedy falling apart yeah. at certain points. Yeah. It, I never felt that it went totally off the rails, but it it was so goofy for what Q is trying to make a serious point about. <laughs> He's like, I've pulled this hippie from 1965 into the, the the roundabout machine. And he's here now to tell you about the time he got stoned and crashed his van into a ditch and still made it to the show on time. It's like, this yeah, like I understand, I guess the, uh, the breadth of experiences that he's trying to pull from as right. to what this guy was involved in. But like <laughs> you've got the, cre- the, the discovery of the, theory of gravity um and the guy who made sure Jimi hendrix went on at woodstock <laughs> equally important equally and like important. The, the Riker thing is pretty weird too because it's like i don't know i mean i guess it, the idea is to go from the 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 largest possible thing to like the smallest possible thing that, yeah. that matters but it's i don't know it's just, i just can't get it this is why you get like what was what was the co- how did they get Frakes for this? Like, was he just in the building or something? I don't know. And they wrote the time, him in. It, this is after first contact, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if he yeah. was just visiting the offices and they're like, "Hey, we got a great time for you to to stop in and do this." I know that Ginsburg, like, so the reason I thought it was Alan Ginsburg is I thought that they were going with Isaac Newton as the science guy, and then there's a poet that people will know the name of, and will he'll do him as like Hugh's impact on the culture development of things. Yeah. 
but it's not that. And apparently he was originally supposed to be, I think it was Cal Rifkin Jr. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was, <laughs> and I think they were going to get Cal Rifkin Jr. on the show to be pulled in with Riker and Isaac Newton. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I would have more respect for. I am a. I was a big Cal Ripken Jr. fan, so I would have respect for that. What, was like, the Q's impact like? He massaged his hamstrings after yeah, every game I was, his streak. <laughs> he allowed him to to break Lou Gehrig's game streak. I mean, okay, cool. He was the manager. Just refused to take him out. I, I don't know. It's 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 weird. All right. Uh, I just sent you Changeling. It starts with pretty good episode. Pretty good episode. Good story, good guest actors, weird imagery. The only negative is that I would have liked to see them entertain the idea of betraying Starfleet principles and selling out Quinn to Q for a teleport home a little more. But Q in an old-timey sleep cap and gown more than makes up for it. Five me's wondering what the scarecrow represented out of five. Latte Librarian. I think I think it's I think it's masturbation. Latte Librarian says Death Wish Q seemed more sexist than usual in this episode. Was he acting as the voice of critical fanboys or just being his usual self? Four moral dilemmas out of five. I'll read this next one. You can have the last one. Aaron Million says, if you can get past Q's blatant sexist comments and chauvinistic manner towards Janeway, sort of difficult to do. This ends up being an interesting discussion about the right to die. Think back to when this was made and you had the controversy over Dr. Kevorkian assisting with people wanting to commit suicide. I appreciate the writers tackling this difficult subject, but not how they did it. Q seems force-fed into Voyager just like he was for that one episode of DS9. It makes no sense for Q to appear there only to not help them get home or even closer to home, only because Janeway won't sleep with him. Two sexist Qs out of five. Did you ever see that, um, I think it was an HBO original movie about Kevorkian with Al Pacino playing Yeah, Pacino is his gold Kevorkian. So good, so good. Is the final comment from Matt Ross. Death Wish, a really hard topic, but I am not sure what to make of it on Voyager. Interesting interesting with a Q being bored wanting to die. It was heartfelt at sometimes, felt after school special sometimes. Delancey's Q was as usual, played to his usual perfection, and Garrett Graham's more folksy, heartfelt Q was fine. The people from history, not so much. Was Riker there for a ratings assist? 3.5 hemlock out of 5. It is just, I, again, it's so weird. Like, you got John Delancey and Frakes. Yeah. For this? Yep. I don't know. I, the other, I mean, the the the, the, the semi-weird thing about that, uh, that scene with Riker and Newton and all that stuff is that they lay the groundwork. Q's like, listen, I'll bring people here, but they're not going to remember it when I send them back, so we don't have to explain this to anybody about what's going on. But when Riker shows up, his his it, like they have limited time, so he can't be like, where the fuck am I and what's going on? Like, Captain, can I help in any way to get you guys back home? He just goes, Q, oh, damn you. You've done it again and stuff like that. It's um, <laughs> I feel like people ignore... The situation that they've been brought into with no explanation is bizarre, and they all accept it as if this is a normal Tuesday for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Isaac Newton should have had questions about where he well, was. Well, I mean, it's it's the it's the Bill and Ted effect, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, they're all well. I guess they are kind of wide eyed when when uh, when Napoleon shows up at the, the ice cream <laughs> store, but he 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 adjusts pretty quick. <laughs> Ginsburg is obviously high, so I understand oh, his yeah. attitude yeah. towards things, but Isaac Newton and Frakes should have been... <laughs> Newton, Newton should just be like, ah, ah. <laughs> 
we should have a lot of <laughs> physics questions, right? About right, how, yeah. how this all works. And he does he just doesn't have time to do it because he's murdering prostitutes. What if this episode turned out to be all of this like Q dying stuff took was in the background and it was just Torres giving Newton a tour of the ship <laughs> was the was the A story. <laughs> I feel like guys I feel like we're going to get this on the rewrite. This has got something within it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about Death Wish. Thank you for being patrons and leaving comments in general. All right, Clay, this has been our longest episode in quite a while. We're just over mm. the hour mark now. So what are you going to give this one on our scale of one to five? This is really tough. Um, I'm going to give it a four because I think regardless of its faults, this is probably been the one episode i've watched in a while that really made me think about a lot of possibilities and a lot of the ideas it was putting up even if it was not um structurally all there um i think yeah this is one i think you walk away from and you can as you as we did i think you could talk about this one a lot regardless of of whether or not they they nail it yeah this is a tough one for me um I think it's I think it's brimming with like good ideas and I, I like all yeah. the stuff that they've done with the queue and I, I like the way that they're trying to go and I think that the conundrums that they bring up are interesting and I think that you know Janeway started sacrificing her, her the ability to get home is good and that always works and things like that. Tuvox excellent, Q's good, all the cues. Um I think it I, I think I have to give it a three, which sounds harsh, but I think that it I think that it shoots itself in the foot so badly at the end yeah. with a a take on suicide that just seems sort of not thoughtful and selfish. Well, so you're not wrong, but I think that there is also again, I think I think if this had like two more minutes at mm-hmm. the end where they could actually unpack that scene a bit more, I think maybe does work to in, in not not in the way that you know we want it to work but in in a way that it might actually work in real life because it's like she is you know she is giving this cue everything he wants but he still kills himself and i mean i think there's something to be said in there about someone who is suicidal not necessarily changing their mind just because you know they they get 20 bucks that they needed you know what i mean but i, but I like think that it, that that undermines his entire point throughout the episode which is much more interesting than that like so sure my, yeah my i don't th- disagree with that yeah, yeah. like th- that's the problem to me is that if they had come up with a different way where he either i don't know how you do it but like your two options there are he either goes back to the continuum and he sees that his life has been is like worth something and that like i, I almost feel that that's the more star trek way although it doesn't have this death impact at the end is that he realizes through his time with the humans that what it, it kind of highlights the hubris of the cue in that thinking that they could know everything about it yeah and i don't know if you have to disavow that or if you have his suicide he, if he does not get the thing that he wants, I think is the other way. If Janeway does not give him this humanity aspect of it and he finds a way to do it anyway, that I feel is him effectively fighting back against the state of the queue in a way that makes a little bit more sense and he died by his ideals at that point, you know? Sure, yeah. 
Yeah, and I think what I'm talking about requires there to be a, a clear through line that the reason that he wants to like they they are not really making a mental health no they're not analogy in this episode. But I think there actually is weirdly enough room to do it, but they don't. And I think for what I'm talking about to work, I think it would have to be more clear. Like what they're saying here is that he needs more than just a handshake and a good luck in right. order to, to get away from that. But yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, this is hard. I would like to give it a four. It's definitely the second best episode of the season uh, yeah. at that point. So maybe I'll have to reconsider as we move forward. If anything beats this, maybe I have to bump it up. Or if anything um, doesn't beat it, I might have to bump it up. I'll give it a three, but I really liked it. It's um, it's second only to meld to me in this yeah. season. Um, so it's it was a good one. Yeah, I would definitely say it's it's one I would recommend. Yes, yeah. Ah, that makes it a four for me. Ah, well, I have to stick to my um <laughs> my rules. I I think I have to give it a four then because I, I have argued your own point against you effectively, just yeah, like Tuvok. I would show this to somebody. It's it's worth someone watching it. I'll give it a four as well. I've been convinced. All right, easy enough. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Patreon.com slash the Pensy File. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we get out of here? Um, I would like to say thank you. I mean, I know this is a few weeks out at this point, probably, but thank you to everyone who stopped by my table at New York Comic Con. Um, Matt Ross swung by. Mm -hmm. I got to chat with him, Mm -hmm. which was very nice. He uh, he brought me a couple uh, horror movie memorabilia things, which was very nice. (laughs) Um, Sean spent most of the weekend sending people to my table to ask for sketches of the robot from Voyager. (laughs) Is that why it was perfected in Matt Ross's? <laughs> well, he, he, like I would say maybe four or five people did it, but none of them actually wanted the sketch. <laughs> they just came over and they, they, they said it. And then they said, Sean told me, I said, do you really want that? And they said, no, Sean just told me to come over here and say that. And I was like, I would have done it if they wanted it. I absolutely would have done it, but yep. nobody seemed to want it. So. <laughs> <clears throat> and also, I, uh, I actually saw Kate Mulgrew. Oh really? She was there. Um, yeah, yeah. I For was. Uh, I uh, I think Prodigy. I think. Oh, that makes sense. Prodigy. Yeah. 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 I was uh, walking to the secret artist alley bathroom behind mm-hmm. the you know in the back there, and she. I was walking behind the tram or cart thing that she was uh, riding in while she was on her way to her next appearance. Well, all right then. Maybe she's Looked promoting great. the Voyager DVD documentary too. The the. Oh show. maybe maybe yeah. All right. Well. She's still out there. She's still trying to get home, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you for supporting the shows. And we will see you next time with what is I think Life Signs is the next episode. Let me see. It is. It's Life Signs. I would also like to say, I don't know if it's like this on all of the streaming services, but they picked Maury Ginsburg as the thumbnail for this episode. Yes. <laughs> which confused me quite a bit when I started it because I was like, I had no idea what the fuck was going on based on that thumbnail. It looks like a, a low-rent Pulp Fiction knockoff in the thumbnail. It just looks like yeah. he's going to be talking about foot massages or something like that, but <laughs> instead it's about spotlights at Woodstock. Oh, Maury Ginsburg, may he rest in peace. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week with the Life Signs. See you then.